Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, final hour. Sports Talk Saturday coming your way. Helping me kick off the final hour is Cover One's Greg Thompson. He joins me now on the West Her Hotline to put a bow on this Bills-Jets preview day. And, uh, Greg, what a game we've got on our hands for this weekend. And for a lot of reasons, revenge, um, AFC East title hopes, um, AFC in general, like conference conversations, like, I know that there's another divisional game right after that against the Dolphins. I think probably a lot of people are eyeing on a more national stage. But this certainly feels like uh, like one of those games that maybe, I don't know, I'm not overlooking it, and I know a lot of Bills fans are, but maybe on the national perspective, people are overlooking this game with an eye towards next week. But I, I don't get the sense that anybody in this uh, in this building here, in this organization, is overlooking a Jets team that I think handled them in a way that, um, you know, they, they maybe haven't been handled by a division opponent in quite some time. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest compliment we can give the Jets is this game matters. You know, it it hasn't mattered in a while. And, you know, being in a spot where, you know, they certainly, I I think going back and rewatching that game a couple times, preparing for this week, you see the Bills should have won that game. They, They had multiple opportunities in hand. They let multiple opportunities slip through their grass, you know, up 14 to three with possession going down and, that's where we started to see some of the that window where we had boneheaded Josh Allen kind of show himself before the, the elbow injury. And I think that, you know, we've seen some, you know, settling back in of Josh Allen, some better decision-making, obviously some limitation from the elbow injury. And then you mix in how many new names are in play. Now we go from Zach Wilson to Mike White. You know, we bring in, you know, multiple different pieces along the offensive line on the Jets side. And then the defensive side, everybody remembers that painstaking drive where they just ran the ball no down kidding. our throats. Well, when you don't have Gregory Rousseau, you don't have Matt Milano, you don't have Jordan Poyer, you don't have Trey White, it's easier to do those things. Um, I certainly expect a different defensive approach this week uh, with, you know, all those pieces back in play. Yeah, there's a lot of little details from that game the first time around that I think maybe get lost or or maybe get lost in the group of other plays that might stick out, like the Tremaine Edmonds interception that wasn't an interception and, like, obviously the two Josh Allen interceptions and some of the other details from that game. Like, one detail that, you know, I had a caller the first hour of the show call in was to bring up, like, 
how much in that game Jaquan Johnson struggled um, after I thought was after his first couple of fill-ins for Jordan Poyer looked like a guy that they were going to maybe refer to as the maybe the second guy to come in off the bench when Jordan Poyer was healthy. It, it looked like and it felt like Jaquan Johnson might be the guy to fill in for Micah Hyde long term. And then that game happened and really everything changed. Jordan Poyer got healthy. Um, Demar Hamlin stayed in that spot and Jaquan Johnson since then they traded for a safety. Obviously we we haven't seen them use, um, but it, it feels like Jaquan Johnson was a it was kind of like a, a storyline from that game and really hurt the defense on some of the angles that he took trying to tackle it. And it really stuck out in that final drive. Yeah. And it, we, we did some work on that over at cover one, because he was a, he was one of those kind of sneaky unknown guys where we liked the instincts. We liked his reactions, but everybody knew the limitations athletically. And it was one of those things where you wondered, Hey, does he have the ability to read the, the offense, react ahead of time, and put himself into a good position where some of those sideline-to-sideline side angles won't be an issue that he lacks based on the explosion and speed that you need to cover that ground. And, you know, we had kind of hoped that maybe that would be the case. And unfortunately, it was painfully laid bare that not only does he not have that, you know, kind of, preempted and in, in no way did anyone think he was an Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu kind of guy. But those guys always seemed like even though they weren't track stars in the combine, they knew what was happening ahead of time and they were always in place and their angles were always perfect. And there are guys who can keep themselves in the league doing that. And we kind of wondered that watching that game, it was painfully laid bare that not only are his athletic limitations as bad or as, as much as what we had worried but he also just wasn't showing the instincts to be able to overcome it and put himself into bad positions. Many of those long broken plays were, you know, not necessarily him having poor technique or missing a tackle. It was just taking an angle that his body couldn't, you know, keep up with and he couldn't get there in time. So um, thankfully uh, we've actually seen, I think some strong play from DeMar Hamlin. I think he's yeah. made a, 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 you know, taken a stab at being in the future plans going into next year as some contracts come up. And then thankfully Jordan Poyer is coming back and still playing at the all pro level that we've seen. So that that certainly has made a huge difference. And having those two, um, I feel very comfortable with it. Neither of them are the center fielder that Micah Hyde is, but both of them have the sideline to sideline speed and are strong in the box. And when you're going against a running team with a limited quarterback, that's going to be enough for this week. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Micah Hyde. I, you know, I, I know uh, one of your guys over there, Kevin Masseri at, at, at Cover One, is is confident that he believes at some point, whether it's going into the playoffs or maybe the final weeks, that Micah Hyde might be available for this team. He has been around quite a bit. He's been, you know, like warming up on game days with guys that are going to be inactive. Like, I, what's your confidence level? Do, do, do you think there's a real chance that we maybe – see Micah Hyde before the end of the season I, I I'm a little skeptical of it just based on the the nature of the injury and you know the position that he plays um, I certainly would want to make sure that there was like absolutely no risk of potentially doing further damage or you know more than just to, to harm his career but his you know way of living um, afterwards I, I I'm I'm maybe not as confident as some others and I know we've had this conversation at the studio about it um, I I don't know where I am on that. I, I'm maybe not as confident as some others are that, that Micah Hyde could be making a, a comeback before the end of the year. Yeah, I, well, I think that's the right approach. Um, people that I trust, I know you know Kyle Trimble, who does banged up bills online. Um, he has laid it out as possible but unlikely. And he said if you take 
all of the ranges of rehab and recovery, there is a window where if he checks every single milestone perfectly, he could come back and hit that where it's not some crazy high risk, you know, you know, putting his, like you mentioned, like after football livelihood in jeopardy. And it's possible where it's not some crazy risk factor, but he would have to hit every milestone at the earliest possible window through that entire phase. The only thing we can go by is he's putting in legitimate work. I mean, we're seeing him really hump it, you know, in these sideline workouts where he obviously has the mindset that he is. And, and I would say that at least should trigger to us that he has tripped those milestones so far that he has not had a setback. He is triggering those because he wouldn't keep working if he had already had a setback. That's right. If he had already figured out that, oh, hey, I'm not going to make it. So I would say it is still in that window of possible but unlikely. We should not plan on it. We should not factor it in. But I, I, it's a, you know, I, I like to throw on on my show, it's a non-zero chance. Mm. There is a chance that, you know, come playoff time and come – uh, I believe it was – I heard it best described that it would maybe be the AFC championship game. Mm. If they get that far, that he could maybe do the AFC championship game and, you know, God willing, the Super Bowl, um, that would be a possibility, again, if he tripped every single milestone perfectly. So, you know, God bless him. Um, if he gets the checkpoints from the doctors, if he has that real conversation with his wife and he has a beautiful young child, if he feels comfortable doing that, He's a grown man. He can make that decision. And if he decides that's what he wants to do, I certainly will, you know, maybe be gritting my teeth and a bit worried for him, but I'll also cheer my heart out and be ecstatic if we get to see him. Greg Thompson said a cover one here and the cover one Buffalo podcast with his co-host Aaron Quinn joining me on the Western hotline. And, you know, in the same vein of, of talking about injuries, like I go back to that first matchup again, and here's another like little little tidbit of information that maybe a lot of people didn't think about is of course people knew that Matt Milano didn't play in that first matchup and, and that was sort of a big loss for this Bills defense among you know Jordan Poyer and some of the other injuries and Greg Rousseau maybe most notably in terms of wanting to stop the run um, I think it's the guy that took over in Matt Milano's place that wouldn't be taking over this time if Matt Milano can't go but I think signs are pointing at least for Matt Milano to be a game time decision at the very worst I think Matt Milano plays Sunday but if he doesn't how big of a difference do you believe A.J. Klein going in instead of the rookie Terrell Bernard might mean for the success or potential success for this Bills defense to get to do better this time around against this uh, Jets run game? So it, it's all matchup specific. And, and in a game like this where um, I, I actually want to give credit to uh, Joe Biscalia made a really good uh, point on his show um, that this is a game where we're not actually going to miss Von Miller as much because for all the things Mike White is limited on and he doesn't have great arm talent, he's not some amazing athlete, the, the man has timing and he can take three steps and get the ball out of his hand. And he gets the ball out of his hand in like 2.1 seconds. And, the, you know, Aaron Donald doesn't get to, you know, quarterbacks in 2.1 seconds. This is going to be a rush lane discipline game, get your hands up. And, you know, of course, if you just beat a guy untouched, everybody can get a sack. If we have a great schemed up blitz that goes untouched, we can get a sack but this is not going to be a big sack game. This is going to be a game where you have to have discipline and coverage. You know, he's not always accurate with the ball. 
you can tip it up. You can get an interception. He's going to miss high. You can get a pick there. You can bat the ball up in the air and get a turnover there. But he doesn't take sacks. He just doesn't. He, he's willing to stand in there, and he gets the ball out, and he checks it down, and you got to rally and tackle. Well, that's going to come into play in a game like this where they're going to lean on the run game. They're going to lean on, you know, dumping the ball out. That means a guy who's good in the box and can play run defense has more value. This isn't needing to drop into the deep hook zone against Tua where you're trying to keep up with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, where maybe I'd rather Terrell Bernard be out there in space than A.J. Klein. Um, of course, we'd want Matt Milano. Uh, but this game, I- I'd honestly be okay if they have to go A.J. Klein. Uh, of course, we want Matt Milano because he does both. He can cover. He can also come up in the run, and he has those awesome instincts for the flash plays that we see. But if it's this Jets game and we have to play it safe because we want Milano for the rest of the year, um, I'm okay if they lean A.J. Klein. I- I'll agree with you. Um, him having 10 days off, he played 100% of snaps in that Patriots game, and then he was, a, uh, I think they listed him as limited participant, but he didn't have a non-contact jersey Friday. He was out there with everybody. I'm going to take that as them being cautious with him and easing him back in. I'll honestly be a little bit surprised at this point if Milano doesn't play. I expect him to be in there. So in your estimation, where, where do you stand on, um, I guess there's not really, you, I, I get, there, there's not two sides to this debate. Um, I, I guess for some people or there are, for, for me, there's not, but the, the Dawson Knox dilemma, uh, I guess is, is what I guess I'll coin this is I, I'm not sure that I feel like the offense has schemed him in a way that at least acknowledges the fact that he is and this isn't always the case right like just because of a certain contract a player gets doesn't mean that he falls in line and priority based on how guys are paid that's that's not the reality it's not Madden but at a certain point I do wonder like I know with the the injury to Deion Dawkins that's forced the hand of 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 Ken Dorsey a bit and keeping him in as extra protection for Josh Allen but there's a certain point I got to start seeing him being integrated in the offense I, I I've been maybe just kind of fighting the fight of saying like I don't think it's asking a lot to scheme up five plays a game that just feature him as the primary target. It doesn't mean you have to force him the football in those moments, but scheme him in a way where he's the primary focus of a play, where you get him in motion, you get him lined up in man-to-man against another linebacker, and you get him in motion in full sprint. He's going to win those foot battles, those foot races against NFL linebackers. Just get him the football, let him get upfield. And, like, those are the things I haven't seen. And, obviously, the red zone targets are just gone completely. So, like, where do you stand on this Dawson Knox thing? And, and, and is this the week against a defense that looks like they really can be capitalized on in the middle of the field? Like, it just feels like such a layup opportunity for him to maybe have his best game of the year. I don't know. I just I, I feel like it's hard to hold my breath because of the lack of opportunity he's been given. So I, I think you're spot on. And I think you listed, you know, many of the different ingredients in this cocktail so far. So one, people have to realize he's about on pace for the same season he had last year. So when you sign a big extension, people naturally raise the bar and raise their expectations. He has underwhelmed our expectations. He hasn't really underwhelmed his pace. He's doing about the same thing as he's done previously. You compound that with two other factors. One you mentioned, um, the offensive line has struggled to stay healthy. And even when healthy, they haven't been fantastic in protecting Josh Allen. And Dawson Knox is a elite blocker. He's really, really good, uses athleticism. He's able to stay in there in pass protection. He's a great run blocker. He moves his feet well. He chips well. He's been a consistent factor in that part of the game. 
where it hasn't helped. And you've seen some of those leak plays that he's done where yep. he chips and then we get that little flare out to the sideline. That's honestly been a huge chunk of his production so far this year. That's because they've had to keep him in more than they have in the past. You then add into that, people have kind of clamored at, hey, where's our next option? It's been yep. you know, less than we expected from Gabe Davis, less than we expected from Dawson Knox. Well, the passing numbers are still pretty good. You want to know why? Stephon Diggs is on a record-shattering pace. Stephon Diggs is leading the NFL in almost everything. You know, fantasy football, he's the number one overall wide receiver. He's on pace for like 1,700 yards, 17 touchdowns, 150 catches. Like, he's on pace for a phenomenal season. He's soaked up a lot of that, you know, I guess, finger quotes, disappointment from Gabe Davis and missing Jamison Crowder and maybe the breakout we hoped for in Isaiah McKenzie and the breakout we hoped for in Dawson Knox that he's just getting more balls and taking up more. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I I would love to see that, you know, that counterpunch, that pivot. And I love the athleticism Dawson Knox has, and I don't, I am not writing that off. I'm disappointed like everybody else. I think it's crazy not to be because just like everybody else, my expectations raised when I saw that, that uh, commitment and, and contract as well. I'm not writing that off. There's enough other factors out there that I still feel good about him as a part of this team going forward. And I don't think it's out of the question that there are some things in Ken Dorsey's bag that he, we haven't shown yet, just like he showed in that Chiefs game. We saw stuff we hadn't seen all year that he saved for that moment. I think there's some stuff that he's holding back because this season's success is written in January and February, not in November and December. And you know, I, I mean, as a follow-up to this Dawson Knox conversation, I, you know, I think there's just this this narrative now that has developed around him because of the statistics that, and and the idea that you are what the stats say you are, right? And 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 I think that's maybe where my my biggest pushback on the Dawson Knox conversation is is you know well he can't do the things that that Travis Kelsey is he doesn't have the same athletic profile I mean to me that's nonsense he absolutely does he can you go on next gen stats you look at the types of routes that Travis Kelsey's running there isn't a route in football that Travis Kelsey runs that Dawson Knox can't mirror and run now does he have the same catch radius does he have maybe the same at yards after catchability maybe not maybe those are some of the areas and I'm not here to tell you I'm looking for this offense to adopt an ideology that turns Dawson Knox into Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure that will ever be the, the the way you want a Josh Allen run offense to function through the tight end. I'm not sure that's really the best way to to utilize the strengths of Josh Allen's game. But I just I I, I view this narrative that he there's certain things he can't do that I just don't buy. Like I, I don't think there are huge flaws. There's not limitations in his game from an athletic perspective. Does he drop the ball? Yeah, but I mean, maybe more than I'd like him to. But overall, Greg, that's, I think, the frustrating part for me is these people that want to line up to tell you the things he can't do based on some fallacy of how he's not being used. And I just, I want to be careful of saying, like, he doesn't do those things doesn't mean he can't. And where that conversation goes from there, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm frustrated by the narrative. I, I think that's very, you know, well said in that, you know, he is an elite athlete, you know, six five, two fifty five, you know, ran a, a nice 40 is, 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 you know, an elite athlete. He is up there, you know, with some of the better athletes we've seen come out of the draft and that that kind of guy raises, you know, ceiling expectations. I, I will say there's some things I've seen on film where I've had to second guess did Josh Allen lose a little bit of confidence in Dawson Knox? Because there were some moments 
where I saw Knox open and I, you know, you can't tell exactly. I can't literally look at Josh Allen's eyes, but it almost looks like he pivots from there and is like, well, I'm not a hundred percent. I'll go to Diggs even though he's covered and you know, Hey, that's not a bad alternative. You know, Stephon Diggs is open even when he's not. Um, so there's a couple things where I've wondered did some of the, the combination of some of the early season drops and the need to have him in as a blocker, did Josh kind of put him as out of sight, out of mind in some moments where he just wasn't in that primary function. And you brought it up at the beginning of this discussion. Is that maybe something we need from Ken Dorsey to say, Hey, Josh, don't forget about this guy. Even if, you know, he's not going to be the primary piece of our attack. We need defenses to worry about him enough for it to matter. So let's scheme up some things, you know, give me a seam shot play every once in a while. Give me a wheel route every once in a while. You know, God forbid we figure out how to run a screen someday um, and get his athleticism <laughs> out there in space. Uh, yeah, right. Um, you know, just a couple of things. Like you said, I, I don't need him to all of a sudden, you know, don't get me wrong. I kind of hoped he was going to become part of that Cole Beasley replacement plan yeah, on, on third, you know, third downs. We haven't seen that. I'm not naive enough to think that's just going to come out of nowhere, but a little bit more. Just let, let the defenses worry about his athleticism a little bit so that that way we, they have to factor for it. And, you know, he still is going to be a red zone target. He's still a tall athletic guy. Um, but at least get him in the mix a little bit more, not only for our sanity, but just to throw something else in the mix for those defense coordinators. You know, and, and before maybe I, I, I get one more in about this Jets matchup, I wanted to just rewind for a second, go back to that Patriots game with you and and maybe ask you what you saw from this offense in that Patriots matchup that maybe you had been lacking the weeks prior where, you know, they really struggled to to find success continually, especially early in the first halves against the Browns and the Lions. And, and short of, I think the easy answer is to say, well, listen, this is a team that played three games in 12 days all on the road. And that's a tall task, and it's not been done in the NFL. Um, so to say they went 3-0 and in that stretch I think is good enough for me. I don't maybe need to hyperanalyze a lot of that. But I do think there's something to be said about how they looked coming out of that game last week um, against a Patriots team that, let's be honest, you know, I mean, offensively is not good. But, I mean, that that's a team that has beat the Jets twice, by the way. So I, I kind of look at, and I know, Zach Wilson, but the Bills lost to Zach Wilson. So I, I guess I look at this and I say, did you learn anything last week from that game against the Patriots? Or or do you think that the Patriots team is just too hard to figure out to really take a lesson from it? Um, The couple things I'll take from it are, there's some similarities where you talk about limited offense, good defense. That's not dissimilar to where we're coming in this week. Um, I don't think the Patriots have a Garrett Wilson um, but beyond that, I think they're pretty similar. You know, they, the Patriots might not have a Quinn and Williams. Um, but overall, I think the depth of the Patriots defense is probably better than the depth of the Jets defense. The Jets probably have a couple more higher-end guys. Um, but that idea, the one takeaway I took from that game was we saw some patience and some discipline in that Patriots game that we hadn't seen from this Bills offense, I, I don't want to say ever, but in a long time, mm. where – Josh's need to go for the kill shot and that the thing that killed me in those early games where he was struggling, where you could tell that the man was trying to win the game on every throw and that just, you, you can't score 21 points a throw. It's just not the way it works. And that his patience and discipline, you know, that 
you know, 16 play, 90, 94 yard, nine minute drive, oh, gosh, where yeah. we just methodically move the ball down the field. Every single play on that drive was positive yardage. Every single play was a good decision. Uh, Eric Turner did an awesome breakdown of kind of the easy button that Josh uh, James Cook has become, where you can tell he's not a check down or a dump down on some of these plays. He is the primary first read where they are running four verticals to open up space, knowing there's going to be room. And that if you get it into cook's hands early, he can make good decisions. And now those check downs aren't one or two yards. Those check downs are seven and eight free yards each time. And that when now defenses have to worry about that, all of a sudden, those deep digs and those deep crossers from Stefan Diggs, where you can't have the underneath bracket because they had to come up and, and worry about James Cook. Now those become open and starting to mix that in. That's the takeaway that I got from that game was we didn't have to press. We didn't have to go for the kill shot over and over again. We were okay taking a profit and just being really good at converting over and over and over again and if we get that into play where teams have to worry about methodical, disciplined drives, that actually opens up the kill shots. That opens up those bigger plays. And if you get that mix going again, now all of a sudden you could be talking about that end-of-season run we had last year. Because mm. at this point, at this exact point last year, we were coming off that second-half loss to Tampa Bay. We were coming off five you know losing five out of eight games and loss win loss win loss win and back-to-back losses with the win game and the weird overtime with tampa bay that's the point we're at in the season right now so to think that there can't be this hyperdrive still and that strong kick finish you know at this point we hadn't even started that win streak that took us into that crazy run of winning the division against the Patriots and killing everybody down the stretch. And then the perfect game against the Patriots and the, the obviously the killer back and forth with the chiefs. That's the point of the season. We're just getting into right now. So there's obviously time. And if that can be an indicator for me that they're getting that patience and discipline, it's going to open up the fun stuff afterwards. Mr. Topset, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for joining me on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, enjoy your uh, your pregame steak tonight. Anything special, or is it just, you know, you're just doing your 111th and there's nothing special about it? Got to do my part. I've got a couple new rubs I've been working Ooh, okay. on. I'm on with uh, Q42. I got a little bit oh, going yeah. there to, to work on a couple new rubs I'm going to be trying. But, you know, I'm going to grill it up, do my 111th and share it for everybody. Can't wait to uh, get involved and then uh, – settle down for a good game tomorrow i used iman's uh espresso rub or the the coffee rub on my brisket last week and let me tell you man that thing is special special and i use his kc rub on all my ribs with a little mike's hot honey uh he's got some elite rubs over there q42 there he really does not miss like they're organic it's legit it's oh man they are some of my favorite rubs to use so yeah enjoy that friend that, that's it's gonna be a good one for you I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Talk soon and uh, enjoy your weekend. Go Bills. Absolutely. Go Bills. Thanks. Greg Thompson there of Cover One. I'm going to take a timeout. On the other side, Lucas will get you an update. Um, final one of the day. Then we'll hear from Ross Tucker, uh, again, who was uh, on, on his normal Thursday afternoon slot with Mike Schoep and the Bulldogs. So all that's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right let's get right to it ross tucker on thursday with mike show and the bulldog pleased to be joined by ross tucker got a text thread that my friend's that I grew up with have kept going every day, Ross. They're texting about the Bills and the Sabres, trading kid pictures, updates on their lives. And one of my guys, Jake, just texted the group, don't forget, Ross Tucker is on next. He's their best guest. You don't want to miss it. Just like making sure everybody in the <laughs> in the group knows uh, where we're at on the weekly schedule. So uh, high praise, Ross. Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much. I love it. You know what I realize every time we talk? It's not like an interview, ever. It's like just a conversation. I feel like I'm just talking to you guys on the phone, and like I almost forget that people are listening sometimes. <laughs> i got to be careful. Well, that's, uh, nice. that's quite a compliment. Yeah, that's really, really nice to hear. I think that's something that I would say, I'm sure I speak for Mike here, we strive for. So uh, that's nice to hear, Ross. Thank you. How was your... How was your weekend at home? It was nice. It was nice. Yeah, it, it was a little bit weird. We um, we ended up kind of last minute going to a show in New York City. You know, if my wife gets a day or a weekend uh, with me not going away, she wants to take advantage of it. So Saturday we ended up going to New York City and went to see the MJ show, Michael Jackson. Um so that was good. However, my high school team was playing in the state semifinals at the same time, 
so I was very distracted and getting text message updates <laughs> from my friends. And the other team scored with two minutes left to go up by four, so I was upset. We went 80 yards and scored a touchdown with 30 seconds left, so I was ecstatic. They won on a Hail Mary with eight seconds left. I was devastated and was unconsolable for the rest of the day. I'm very mature at 43 years of age. <laughs> well, that loyalty, though, that's tough. It's a tough way to lose. Is that an overnighter? You go to New York City from, from where you're at, your home base, or is that like in and out? Uh, it doesn't have to be. It's like two and a half hours. Yeah. So right. it's kind of uh, kind of up to you. We, we came back because I had to do Eagles pregame on uh, on Sunday morning, so – we just, we just, we actually went to a matinee. So then we were able to just matinee, dinner, and then come back. So, Ross, everything went the Bills' way. We talked last week. It was the pregame show for New England. They get that win. Miami loses. Kansas City loses. Five games to go, and they're back at the one seed. It's interesting to think about, like, all the, not that there's been that much consternation this year with the Bills. It's relative, but we did have moments where we were, were a little bit concerned about certain facets, and we still might be, and we'll get to Von Miller as one as one of these such things. But three months into the season, and they're where you'd want them to be. Yeah, here's my here's my question. Well, so absolutely right. I love the fact that they control their own destiny at this point. And it's by the way, please don't be the person that tweets me after this at Ross Tucker NFL and says, do you even know what destiny is, dude? You can't actually control it. If you're that person, just reevaluate everything you've done in life up until this point. Call your parents and tell them that they failed you because only losers go out of their way to point stuff like that out. Not a big fan of that. You know what I mean. They control their own path, their own fate, whatever. I know that it's technically not controlling your own destiny that's impossible bang sorry i had to get off off my chest you guys were just the recipients of it um (laughs) but here's what i love that they control their own path since it's not fate or destiny um you western new york scholars whoever it is that's going to email me the english teacher is going to email me but um i'm curious what was better watching the bills win on Thursday night against the Patriots in dominating fashion, or Sunday when the Bills had already won, okay? And you could just sit back there, sit back knowing Bills took care of business, and watch both the Chiefs and Dolphins lose in the late games. Like, that had to be – like, the late games, when both those teams, it was clear they were going to lose, that had to almost be better, almost be better than the than the Patriots beating the Bills. I I I think if it weren't the Patriots, may, maybe it would would almost. It's great, both are great, but Ross, we're still. I I am. I'll speak just for myself here. I'm still very much in a space where it is not old. I don't take for granted. I'm not as intimidated by the Patriots and Bill Belichick as I used to be. I, I've made an, an effort in that area. But watching them be frustrated, watching him all bundled up in a parka uh, and just looking like he doesn't have any answers, basically them giving up in the game, punting down like they were, trying a field goal like they did, not using the timeouts, That'll that, right now that 
is far from getting old to me, so it still beats sitting back with a cold one on Sunday, late Sunday, watching the Chiefs lose and watching the Dolphins lose. Uh, but, it, I mean, it was pretty good. It was a nice perk to playing Thursday night, that's for sure. Really looking forward to seeing what the Patriots do this offseason or how they try to fix it. Because I, I think they're pretty clearly the worst team in the division, which is really interesting. And they looked awful. I mean, if it wasn't for Marcus Jones making that one play, um, they were bad. I mean, they, they, were, they were legitimately bad in that game, which obviously is a good feeling for all of you guys, but just strange to see. Ross, Bulldog and I have a bet that we made before the season whether Belichick would win another playoff game in his career. Which side would you take? Um, I would take that he will because I don't think he'll go out until he does. Okay, I don't think he'll do it until he does, but I, uh, man, I'm, I'm surprised that we're even having that conversation. I mean, think about that. The, 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 the one that does it for me is he has one playoff win in his career without Tom Brady. One. And I think after this year, it'll be 10 years because it's 2000. It's 2008 when Brady was hurt. It's the last couple of years. So it'll be five years in New England, and it'll be, I think it was four or five in Cleveland. So in a nine- or ten-year sample size, the guy has one playoff win without Brady. I mean, Brady has five without him, yeah. without Belichick. That's, and it was, that's stunning. It, I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, oh, it's all Brady. I'm just saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good argument for Brady is more important than Belichick. That one well, playoff win. Like, let's be honest, right? Like, I think Sean McDermott's a good coach. But every single person listening right now, if you have half a brain, I know you do. If I said to you right now, you can only keep one, McDermott or Josh Allen, everybody knows the answer is Josh Allen without any hesitation, right? I, I, I think so, yes. I, I think yeah. one. Again, <laughs> if you think it's McDermott, go ahead and go with the destiny and fate people and reevaluate your life <laughs> at this point. <laughs> that one playoff win Belichick has, by the way, was against New England and Parcells when he was the Browns coach uh, right after the 94 season. Ross Tucker on the West Her Hotline. Ross, what do you think of the Bengals in this context? They, they have the win over the, over the Chiefs last couple weeks, a lot of momentum, it seems, around the Bengals. Aaron Schatz on with us today says they're better than last year. Is he right? Well, they certainly have been the last couple weeks. Uh, they've been much, much better, much, much better. And I think it's the offensive line. As much as anything else, the O-line, you know, it's a great example of it's a great example of everything that we talk about all the time along the offensive line of continuity, chemistry. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. They brought in all these guys together. Sometimes it takes time. But now they're playing at a really high level. Now they're playing really well. Cincinnati and Cleveland this week. Deshaun Watson, his first game in Cleveland. 
his first game as a Brown last week in Houston went really badly. They did win three defense and special team scores against a bad Texans team. Were, were you shocked, Ross? I wasn't shocked. I mean, with all the time off and probably just all the different emotions there playing the Texans, I didn't think it would go that badly, but I can't say I was shocked by it. I guess I was surprised it was that bad. All right, that is Ross Tucker. He was on earlier this week on Thursday on his weekly uh, his weekly time slot with Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Big thanks to my guests today, Joe Yurden, to start the show off, talk a little Lions, but of course talk Sabres and Penguins, which of course will be here tonight starting at 6 o'clock pregame, 7 p.m. puck drop, of course, on the home of the Sabres, WGR Sports Radio 550. Thanks to Will Parkinson, Ryan Talbot, and my last guest, of course, from Cover One, Greg Tomset. Don't go anywhere. On the other side, we'll have Army-Navy. Uh, coming up here on WGR and uh, obviously today 2 o'clock as well some great soccer, France, England so a great loaded weekend of sports for you sports fans out there. So for me, Nate Geary, Lucas Buckley we appreciate you listening here on WGR Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.